Good morning. Today, I thought I would entitle my message, One Last Sermon for a Divided Nation. But I didn't. Um, I didn't. But I, I, I would like to uh, just, if some of, it, some of you are following along with the plan of what was going to happen this summer, my name was not listed on today, but I'm here. You're stuck with me. Uh, you showed up. It's kind of like a bait and switch. So um, I hope that's okay with most of you. As a point of personal privilege, uh, a special day came along this past week. On Tuesday, it was the 13th. Um, and without fanfare, uh, it came and went. Uh, August 13th marked 19 years of ministry at Centralia Nazarene Church for me and my career. So it's a privilege to, it's a privilege to serve you, um, and it's a privilege to have called this place home for so many years. Um, my daughter recently graduated, uh, and there's a screensaver now on my on my computer that just has a compilation of different pictures over the last uh, years of her life because we set it up for her grad party and I haven't taken it off my computer yet. Um, I had hair back then when I came, you know? Like, I did. I'm like, who is that guy? Where did he go? I don't know. Um, but also as a point of privilege, um, this is the final Sunday that my daughter gets to worship with us before she heads off to NNU in Napa, Idaho. So one last sermon with he, her here before the Freeburg Nation divides and one leaves. So that was what I was going to call her my sermon, but I just felt a little too much about me and about us. And so I didn't, I didn't go that direction. Um, and yet as I prepared my thoughts, I kind of wanted to, I, I, I asked the question, what do I want her to hear? And strangely, it became a message for all of us, a message that I needed to hear, a message that I think you need to hear and that God wants to say to you. Uh, and so hopefully today, as we proceed, uh, we'll get there. Um, but Jalen, it's been a great run, and you're off to NNU, and so we love you. I know this family loves you as well, um, and what a privilege to have served you. And, and this has been her home for her whole life. Um, and what a privilege that is. That, that's pretty uncommon in pastoral homes. And so thank you. Thank you for allowing me to serve in this way so consistently. Um, this morning, we're turning to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke, the 13th chapter, if you want to get out your devices or get out your Bibles and follow along. Um, we, I, when I was preaching in June, we went to Luke as well. Uh, a little earlier in the a little earlier in the book, I believe it was from chapter 9 that, uh, that I preached from in June. Um, but if just, a, just kind of a, a brush up on the book of Luke. Luke is the precursor to the book of Acts. Scholars believe that they were written by the same person. If you look at the introductions of the books, they kind of lead into one another. Um, Luke is the story of Jesus. Luke is the story of what, what happened while Jesus was on earth, his ministry. It kind of follows a, a flow to it. Acts is what happened once Jesus had left the building, gone back to heaven after his resurrection. Jesus leaves his earthly presence. The Spirit comes, and the church is launched. 
Uh, and so the two books really fit together. If you look at the first verse of Acts, he's, the, the writer says, in my former book, referring, most scholars believe, to the book of Luke. Uh, and so Luke is, is really the, the pre, precursor to Acts, which is kind of fun to preach from because when, when Dave gets back in, uh, if you're counting, four weeks, when Dave gets back in four weeks, then he's going to pick up where we left off in the book of Acts. We're going to continue this story uh, with, with this author. Um, and, and chapter 13 lands right in the middle of what we started when we first looked at Luke back in June. Um, I don't expect you to remember. There's not a quiz coming up. But when, when we preached, we started this journey to Jerusalem. So there, there's, a, there's a description of, of Jesus' ministry early in Luke that talks about what he did in Galilee and, and the ways he began teaching and, and as he gathered his disciples and as he gained notoriety. And in chapter 9, there's this weird transition. It's a, it's a literary transition where, where at the end of chapter 9, it says, Jesus turned his face towards Jerusalem, and they began a journey that would, would lead Jesus to Jerusalem, where the author knows at that time that uh, Jesus would be tried in a mock trial and crucified uh, and then be resurrected. Um, but this whole long narrative, it's 11 chapters from chapter 9 to chapter 19, um, this, this passage falls right in the middle of it. So we're going to turn to uh, Luke chapter 13. We're going to start at verse 10 and read down through verse 21. Uh, I'm reading from the Common English uh, Bible. Uh, you may have a different translation, but in reverence for God's words, would you please stand as I read the scripture? This morning. <clears throat> Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. A woman was there who had been disabled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and couldn't stand up straight. When he saw her, Jesus called to her, sorry, called her to him and said, Woman, you are set free from your sickness. He placed his hands on her and she straightened up at once and praised God. The synagogue leader, incensed that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, responded, There are six days during which work is permitted. Come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath day. The Lord replied, Hypocrites, don't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from its stall and lead it out to get a drink? Then isn't it necessary that this woman, a daughter of Abraham, bound by Satan for 18 long years, be set free from her bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said these things, all his opponents were put to shame, but all those in the crowd rejoiced at all the extraordinary things he was doing. Jesus asked, what is God's kingdom like? To what can I compare it? It's like a mustard seed that someone took and planted in a garden. It grew and developed into a tree, and the birds in the sky nested in its branches. Again, he said, to what can I compare God's kingdom? It's like yeast, which a woman took and hid in a bushel of wheat flour until the yeast had worked its way through the hole. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you please be seated? So we start out with the setting of this, this teaching that Jesus has. He's teaching in the synagogue. Somehow, 
Jesus got an invite to the synagogue. This is the first mention of Jesus teaching in the synagogue since he set out on his journey to Jerusalem. This will actually be the last mention of Jesus teaching in a synagogue in the Gospel of Luke. In, in the earlier chapters, in chapter 4, if you look there, it says uh, Jesus went to the synagogue as he was used to doing. That used to be his angle. That used to be his entry point into the people uh, worshiping of faith. And yet, as we progress through this journey, as we progress through this gospel, the synagogue is mentioned less and less by the writer. Um, he, uh, he's found their teaching. He's found their healing in the synagogue. Um, and, and the crowd becomes the jury to this interaction that we have between Jesus and the synagogue leader. Um, at first glance, this teaching kind of looks like it might be about Sabbath. And, and in fact, it is a little bit about Sabbath. This, this interaction between Jesus and, and what is allowed and what is not allowed on the Sabbath is part of the discussion that happens between the synagogue leader. Um, it, it looks like the synagogue leader knows his Ten Commandments pretty well. It looks like the synagogue leader is trying to teach his people what, what, what is allowed and what's not allowed on the Sabbath day. And if we turn back into the Old Testament, we can read, we can read about the, the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy 5 uh, has, has a list of the Ten Commandments. It's also listed in Exodus 20, um, which is where I normally turn, but Deuteronomy 5 expounds a little bit on this commandment about the Sabbath day. Um, Deuteronomy 5, uh, 12 says this, keep the Sabbath day, treat it holy exactly as the Lord your God commanded. Six days you may work and do all your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Don't do any work on it. Not you, your sons or daughters, your male or female servants, your oxen or donkeys, or any of your animals, or the immigrant who is living among you, so that your male and female servants can, can rest just like you. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That's why the Lord your God commands you to keep the Sabbath day holy. Um, we find there that, that the Sabbath teaching is, is solid. It's part of the journey of faith for Jews. It's part of what they're supposed to observe and how they're supposed to act. And, and the, the synagogue leader is keeping within that tradition. And yet Jesus says, there's a new interpretation of Sabbath. There's a new interpretation. It makes, a, it makes an argument for the case of healing that he, got, that he performs. He says, don't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from its stall and lead it out to get a drink. Then isn't it necessary that this woman, a daughter of Abraham, bound by Satan for 18 long years, would be set free even on this Sabbath day? We have here a comparison. Which is more important? The ox and the donkey or the daughter of Abraham? Which is more important? Jesus makes a clear and definite statement um, and I think as we, as we take a look here, we, we could really settle easily into this Sabbath teaching that, that, that um, the Sabbath doesn't lord over, 
Sabbath isn't Lord over us, that Jesus is Lord over us, and that, that the Sabbath is meant for us. And, and, and a really common outcome could be a preacher coming up and saying, well, this, this means that on the Sabbath we can do this, and maybe we shouldn't do this, and maybe, maybe we haven't interpreted this properly in the past. But I, I, I want to leave that alone today. I, I, don't really, I don't really want to go there today. That's, that's an important setting for this, this message, and, and it's important that, that we understand the difference of opinion there. Um, but at second glance, I really think there's, there's more going on. And I want to take a look at the woman in this story. I want to take a look at this this lady that's mentioned. Uh, her age isn't given, but the age of her dishealth is. It says she had been unhealthy for 18 years. Have you heard the story about the frog in the, the kettle that's warmed slowly? It's how to, how, to, how to make a boiled frog, right? You just could slowly turn up the temperature a little bit, a little bit. The frog, apparently, I haven't tried this. I, did, I, did, I didn't do any experiments with frogs at home. Um, but the rumor is the frog doesn't really realize the awareness of, or doesn't have an awareness of the change of temperature, and eventually the frog will just kind of be boiled. And I don't know if you'd want to eat such a thing or not, but that's what they say. <laughs> but I have been the frog before. Let me explain. Um, uh, a couple weeks ago, the NYC team came and, and talked to you a little bit about their trip, and they, they talked about some of the significant growth moments of, of our trip to NYC. Well, there was one not so significant. It, it had nothing to do with growth, but it had to do with being hot. Um, we took a bus from Phoenix over to California to go spend our day in Disneyland, and on the way, we drew the lucky straw of the bus with no air conditioning. Um, and if you've ever traveled across Arizona and California, Southern California desert, in early July, uh, in a bus, it tends to get warm. Um, and so we were all hot. We had people um, switching buses so that we could get them in cooler settings. Um, for those of us that braved the, what was affectionately called the sweaty bus, um, we just, it was a slow rise in temperature. It, it felt like pretty rapid, but we could just feel that it was time to get a break. And so we pulled over, uh, we stopped at a gas station, right next to this gas station was a Del Taco. I'm like, okay, everybody follow me, we're going to Del Taco. I'll go up to the counter and I said, I need like 50 large wa ice waters. And she's like, our water cup is this little, you know, the plastic clear one so they can make sure you're getting water when you, when you get it. I'm like, no, you didn't hear me. I need, uh, I will buy the cups from you. I need the large, large cups so we can get ice water. Um, so she said, okay. Uh, and so we just sat there. I, there were people behind us. We kind of let them in when they, when they needed to, but we were there for 20 minutes filling up ice waters. And as soon as they were filled, we'd run them to the table and poke four straws into the to cup and just, it was the weirdest thing when people would drink that water. It was this sensation. You could feel the change in temperature down your throat. You could feel this cool emanating from the inside. Um, and, and it was, we weren't aware. We had no idea that we were that hot, but our, our body temperature, our core temperature had changed so much that you could feel the cold coming from within. Uh, I think that's how this lady 
had begun to live her life. 18 years of being bent over, 18 years of this dishealth, 18 years of living this way, and you've pretty much given up hope that anything will change. Some of you live with, with physical ailments that you've had for a long time, and, and some of them bring pain. Others are, are more of an inconvenience. Um, and I don't, I don't know what this, this lady was, but this, this lady came, as, as I read the story, I believe this lady came to learn that day. She wanted to hear from the teacher. She was, she was not calling attention to herself. She was seated there. She was minding her own business. It says Jesus noticed her. Jesus saw her. Jesus spotted her, maybe in the back, maybe off to the side. Jesus spotted her, and she was bent over, couldn't stand up straight. Verse 12 says this, when he, when Jesus saw her, Jesus called her to him. Jesus called her to him. Come forward. Hey, you. Hey, miss. Come forward. You know what? I think Jesus did an amazing thing in that moment. Cut through a station in life. Cut through the fact that she was a woman. Cut through the fact that she had an illness, had, had, had this, this physical deformity where she was bent over. Cut through all that. Cut through the stigma that was present. Cut through all of it and said, this is the daughter of Abraham. Cut through the status quo. We don't do that in church. We don't do that in synagogue. What are you doing? You're supposed to be teaching us a lesson. I think even the woman came to learn. She had no idea. She didn't wake up and say, I think I'm going to go to synagogue today, meet a guy named Jesus, and he might straighten my back for me. Might be the best chiropractor I've ever had in my life. Um, uh, Jesus cuts through all of that. And Jesus said, God has something else for you today. It's not lost on me that the, the period of her illness is, is about 18 years. Parents, we all have about 18 years to mess up our kids. Uh, <laughs> one word for my kids, counseling. It's gonna, it's, I see it in your future. Um, I don't know what I'm doing as a dad sometimes. My kids are in the back, back row. They'll, they'll testify for me. We, don't, we do the best we can, parents. We do. Have you, <laughs> parents, have you ever seen behavior in your kids that frustrates you, that makes you a little upset, and then you think, oh, that, <laughs> that's me. I, I, see my, see, I, I see myself in there. Um, so kids, we need to have a little chat about what I just observed, and I think you might have observed that in me sometimes, but it's not a good look. It's not a good look, and, and, and we, need to, we need to reshape that. We need to, we need to find a better way. We need to find better responses. Um, teens, kids, have you ever heard yourself uh, saying words that sound eerily similar to your mom and dad? It will happen. It will come. Why? 
Why? Because we have this thing called a family and we spend so much time together as a family. We learn how to respond. We learn how to love. We learn how to disagree. We learn how to have a conversation, a tough conversation. And some of those things that we learn aren't always all that healthy. Sometimes they're really healthy. And God, help us. God, help us that that we can learn to to live and to respond as Jesus Jesus does. But as as I read this story, we are the woman. As I read this story, sometimes we are the woman. We get so stuck we get so stuck in the ways that we're used to doing things, the ways that we're, we're used to responding, the ways that, that life and experience have taught us to, to, to handle this situation or, or to, to be caught in this attitude or to, to let this attitude, let that response happen in our lives. We can get so stuck. I, I, I'm excited as my... As my daughter leaves for college, I'm excited for new voices to speak into her mind and for her to then have to make choices. How is she going to respond? I've invited her, come back and challenge me. Talk to me about what you're learning. I want to hear it. I want to be challenged by it. I want to be shaped by you because sometimes I'm just stuck. Sometimes I've gotten so used to the way that I live, so used to, to what I'm used to, that I miss out. I miss out. I come to church and I learn. It's a head thing. I learn some new information. I look at the Bible a little differently. But God wants to heal me in this place. God wants to set us free in this place. God wants to open our eyes. God wants to change our attitudes. God wants to set us free here because we're the woman in this story. I love new perspectives. I love being challenged uh, by new thoughts. It's not always easy. She may not talk me into everything that she has to come come home with from that college. And yet I want to have that conversation. I want to have that conversation. And love and respect and tenderness, gentleness with tears and laughter because I don't want to get stuck. And I don't want to go 18 years like the woman and, and, and just be comfortable with where I'm at. Resigned to my dishealth. Resigned to, well, I guess that's the way it's going to be. And then there's the synagogue leader in this story. Then there's the synagogue leader. He, (laughs) did you hear what he accused? Did you hear his announcement after this happens? The synagogue leader takes it upon himself, and, and, and he doesn't address Jesus, but addresses the crowd addresses everybody that's from this town that comes to the synagogue and and he he kind of accuses the woman of of seeking healing did you hear it this these are his words there are six days during which work is permitted come and be healed on those days not on the sabbath day like it was her intention come come and get healed it's okay for you to come and get healed on on those other days but right now we've got We've got, we've got synagogue business to do here right now. 
The leader is the representative of the status quo. The leader is threatened by this change. The leader is um, struggling. And the message is, when we gather to worship, if you're sick, you can stay home. Or you can just stay sick. But the other six days, that's, that's what this is for. Oh, God, forgive us if that's the message we send, church. God, forgive us if that's the message we send, that we say, you know, you, when you come to church, you really, gotta, you really should have your stuff kind of put together. That would be really nice for us because it's easy that way. Um, I think Jesus wants the broken here. I think Jesus wants the bent over here. I think Jesus wants the ones that are stuck in patterns that, that are destructive to come here and to find hope and to be stood up straight and set free from the patterns of their lives. I think that's what Jesus wants. And the synagogue leader kind of heads a, heads a different way. He says that's not what the, what the Sabbath is for. That's exactly what the Sabbath is for. That Jesus can make a difference in our lives. That Jesus can set us free. That Jesus can stand us up straight. That Jesus can heal us. Sometimes from physical maladies, like the story. I would say most often from spiritual maladies, from things that haunt us, things that we struggle with, things that keep us bent over and broken down. That's exactly what the Sabbath is for. (laughs) It's not lost on me as a pastor that it's the synagogue leader who sends them away, which is an indictment on me sometimes. That there's times when I get busy. There's times when I forget that Jesus is in the business of healing and I ought to be the one inviting them forward to get healed. I ought to be the one. Lord, forgive me if I've ever been too busy and missed an opportunity to serve you, to serve someone else, to serve someone out on that sidewalk right there or under our breezeway, right by the power outlet. Someone in the back 40. Lord, forgive me. And yet those who worship here, those who call this church home, we're all leaders in God's kingdom. We all get to play along. We're all in the sandbox. We're in this together. We are the church. And we get that opportunity sometimes to invite them forward and to say, you're here and it's good that you're here. You're in the right place. Don't worry if you're bent over. Don't worry if you're broken. Don't worry if you're sick. This is the place where Jesus wants to heal. This is the place where Jesus wants to set you free and stand you up. And what's the report? The report of this story is, is quick and definite and all in one, one sentence. When he said those things, all his opponents were put to shame and all those in the crowd rejoiced at all the extraordinary things 
he was doing. I can just see the crowd, wow! Like, did you see that? That was amazing. I don't think they're going to even remember Jesus' lesson. They're going to remember that moment. That moment when that lady was set free. I've known her for 18 years. She's been bent over. She walked up. She stood up and walked straight out of synagogue that day. In my Bible, and this may be true in your Bible, there's a break uh, between verse 17 and verse 18. But, but if you look after verses 18 through 21, there's another piece that the narrator, narrator puts there that says Jesus traveled through cities and villages. So there's a definite break between 21 and 22. So there's a compelling case that, that these, these two statements of Jesus at the end of the passage I read are connected to this story of the synagogue. And, and, and Jesus, is wraps, Jesus wraps this all up with these two illustrations about what the kingdom of God is like. Uh, the, the kingdom of God is like that tiniest of mustard seeds. I've never seen a mustard seed. There's probably a few of you that have seen a mustard seed. I have never seen a mustard seed. But, but it grows into this tree. It grows into this large bush, so big, in fact, that birds can, can make nests in it. Out of this tiny little seed comes this tree that holds birds from the sky for a place to call home. And again, he, said, he compares God's kingdom to this little piece of yeast which is put in the dough and over time works its way through the dough. Um, this is the kingdom. This is the kingdom that, that when, when people see what Jesus wants to do, it begins to grow, it begins to spread. It begins to take off. I think the crowd got excited. I think the crowd was like, whoa, did you see what Jesus did? There's a synagogue leader. He's shamed. It says, the Bible says he was shamed. And the crowd was like, wow, I can't believe that. When Jesus starts healing, when Jesus starts setting people free, that's a place where people want to go. That's a place where people want to get involved. That's a place where people are going to sign up and come because we all need healing. We all need it from time to time. We all have things that, ways that we need to be shaped and formed and molded into God's image. The kingdom of God is annoying like that. It just, it just spreads. You can't stop it. You can't get in its way. It won't be undone. It won't stop. You can get on board and be part of that. Ride that wave. Be a part of things. See yourself grow. See yourself healed. Or you can say, yeah, I'll just stick with status quo. I come. I show up. I came here to be taught today. That's good. I, I learned something new. But God wants to capture your heart. God wants to set you free. God wants to stand you up straight. I, I referenced this a little earlier. Jesus started his ministry normally going to synagogue, chapter 4. Um, and, and I'll uh, turn to it really quick. Um, uh, 
in chapter 4, verse 15, it says, he taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Verse 31, Jesus went down to the city of Capernaum in Galilee and taught the people each Sabbath. They were amazed by his teaching because he delivered his message with authority, a man in the synagogue. There's, there's all this reference that, that this is where, where he went. This is the last time. And, and, and I'm, I'm left to wonder if, if this, this synagogue leader that, that just missed the point, that just frustrated him, said, you know, this may not be the best setting for the message that I have. I don't think he wanted to disrupt synagogue. I don't think he wanted to get in the way of what they were doing. This was the faith community. This is the faith community from which he was a part. I I think he had respect for his leaders. That's a concept. And and maybe he said, you know, maybe the synagogue isn't, isn't where I need to preach, isn't where I need to teach. And he took the message to the people because he saw that the kingdom of God is like this mustard seed that's gonna grow. It's going to set people free. It's like this little tiny piece of yeast that's going to help the whole batch of dough to rise. And he said, maybe the message needs taken elsewhere. Maybe he needs to just set it free. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on participating in that part of the kingdom. I don't want us to miss out on what Jesus is doing. Maybe that synagogue was filled with people who were bent over in their spiritual life and used to it and weren't ready to be called forward, weren't ready to be stood up straight, weren't ready to be set free. I think the message for us today, for all of us, is that maybe today, there are some ways in which we're used to being bent over, some ways in which we're, we're used to our dishealth, and Jesus today wants to stand us up. Jesus today wants this church to be a place that says, bring in the broken, bring in the bent over, bring in those that need help because Jesus is here. And he wants to call you forward and he wants to stand you up straight. He wants to change your life today. And tomorrow, not one day a week, seven days a week, he wants to form you and form me, make a difference in our lives. And this is a place that faithfully we hear the transforming words of Jesus brought to us. Don't stay where you're at. 17 years old and you're heading off to college, don't stay where you're at. You're 42 and you got eight kids, don't stay where you're at. You're empty nested and you don't know what to do now. Don't stay there. You're 80 years old, don't stay there. Jesus wants to form you. He wants to set you free again today and tomorrow. Not with Trent's words, but with these words. And that's exciting. That's how the kingdom grows. That's how that little seed turns into a tree. That's how that little piece of yeast works its way through the dough. Because the kingdom of God is just like that.
And the question we ask today is, do you want to participate? Do you want to be a part of that? Um, this morning in preparation, or this week in preparation for this message, I leaned heavily on a, on a commentary written by a guy named uh, Mr. By Joel Green. Um, in this commentary, he outlines this section of the, of the journey to Jerusalem from chapter 13 through chapter 17. And the title of that section was, Who Will Participate in the Kingdom? I want to give him credit because he kind of helped me get there. Who will participate? In the story, the woman participated in the kingdom. The crowd participated in the kingdom to some degree and got excited and said, this is transformation, this is Jesus working, I want to be a part of that. The leader of the synagogue said, eh, that's not what synagogue's about, let's do that on the other six days of the week, please. Um, earlier this month, uh, there was a, a shooting in El Paso, Texas. Um, one, of the, one of the people that was killed, her name was uh, Margie, I'm going to get this right, Margie Record was killed along with 21 others. Um, Antonio Basco, her partner of 22 years, uh, was going to hold a funeral for her, but she and he didn't have much family in the area. And so the funeral home that was tending to this woman posted this on Facebook. Mr. Antonio Basco was married for 22 years to his wife, Margie Record. He had no other family. He welcomes anyone to attend his wife's services. Did you guys see this? Happened on Friday. There were over 500 floral arrangements sent in from as far away as I think it was Asia. Somebody, somebody ordered flowers. There were, there were, they had it scheduled for one funeral home. They booked a larger funeral home after they saw the response. They had hundreds of people. People lined up, queued up around the block just to come pay their respects for this man. Nearly a thousand people who said, this human life is worth offering my condolences and to share in my grief, lift them up. And, and it was just an amazing picture of people who wanted to participate. Not necessarily in the kingdom of the gospel, in the kingdom of Jesus, but I believe that a lot of those people probably had a deep faith, and they just wanted to share with this man a moment of grief and a hug of love and a touch of joy for what he had shared with this woman that was so violently taken away from him at this moment. I want to be like one. I want to be like person number 800 in the line. I, I want to participate. I want to be involved in God's kingdom of restoration, in God's kingdom of expressing love to other people. I want to be involved. I want to be in line. Put me up. Sign me up. I want to be in your kingdom, God. I don't want to miss out because this is the place where Jesus says, stand up straight. Live healthy. I know it's been a long 18 years. Let's live a new way together. We're going to close today uh, with a song. Um, and so I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up here and join me. Um,
thank you today for, for being the church for me and for my family for so long. But maybe today you recognize that there might be some dishealth, that there might, there might be some, some bent over places in your life where, where God wants to touch and God wants to heal, and maybe you're still unaware. Maybe you don't know what to say. Say, Chan, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, I can't see that spot in my life. Would you make that a matter of prayer today? Would you make that? Maybe that's our prayer. God, show me. Show me. I know you're in the business of standing people up straight. I know you're in the business of healing but I want to participate. I want to be stood up. I want to celebrate with the crowd when others stand up. This is the place that we have the chance to do that because we're worship community, because we journey together. I invite you this week to participate in God's kingdom with us in this place.